Section 25 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 14. The Last. It seems idle to add anything concerning the character of James Cook to what has gone before. He was hard to endure, true to carry out his mission, perfectly loyal and single-minded. He was fearless, he was hot-tempered and impatient. He was self-reliant, he asked none of his subordinates for help or for advice. He was temperate, strong, and of simple tastes. He was born to a hard life, and he never murmured, however hard things proved and like all men born to be great when he began to rise with each step he assumed as if it belonged to him the dignity of his new rank a plain man those who knew him say but of good manners if this volume does not show the manner of the man then it has failed such as his achievements required such he was let us however once more repeat briefly what those achievements were because they were so great and splendid and because no other sailor has ever so greatly enlarged the borders of the earth. He discovered the Society Islands. He proved New Zealand to be two islands, and he surveyed its coasts. He followed the unknown coast of New Holland for two thousand miles, and proved that it was separated from New Guinea. He traversed the Antarctic Ocean on three successive voyages, sailing completely round the globe in its high latitudes, and proving that the dream of the great southern continent had no foundation unless it was close around the pole and so beyond the reach of ships he discovered and explored a great part of the coast of new caledonia the largest island in the south pacific next to new zealand he found the desolate island of georgia and sandwich land the southernmost land yet known he discovered the fair and fertile archipelago called the sandwich islands he explored three thousand five hundred miles of the north american coast and he traversed the icy seas of the north pacific as he had done in the south in search of the passage which he failed to discover all this without counting the small islands which he found scattered about the pacific again he not only proved the existence of these islands but he was in advance of his age in the observations and the minute examination which he made into the religion manners customs arts and language of the natives wherever he went it was he who directed these inquiries and he was himself the principal observer when astronomical observations had to be made it was he who acted as principal astronomer he was as much awake to the importance of botany especially of medicinal plants as he was to the laying down of a correct chart it is certain that there was not in the whole of the king's navy any officer who could compare with cook in breadth and depth of knowledge in forethought in the power of conceiving great designs and in courage and pertinacity in carrying them through let us always think of the captain growing only more cheerful as his ship forced her way southwards though his men lay half starved and half poisoned on the deck his voyages would have been impossible his discoveries could not have been made but for that invaluable discovery of his whereby scurvy was kept off and the men enabled to remain at sea long months without a change i have called attention to the brief mention he makes of privation and hardships 
he barely notes the accident by which half his company was poisoned by fish he says nothing about the men's discomforts when their biscuit was rotten these things you see are not scurvy one may go hungry for a while but recover when food is found and is none the worse one gets sick of salt junk but if scurvy is averted mere disgust is not worth observation to drive off scurvy to keep it off was the greatest boon that any man could confer upon sailors cook has the honour and glory of finding out the way to avert this scourge those who have read of this horrible disease the tortures it entailed the terror it was on all long voyages will understand how great should be the gratitude of the country to this man since the disease fell chiefly upon the men before the mast it was fitting that one who had also in his youth run up the rigging to the music of the boatswain's pipe should discover that way and confer that boon the gratitude of cook's country was shown in several ways all rather curious had he been a member of a noble family his son would certainly have been raised to the peerage as he was not the king granted his family a coat of arms i think that this must have been the last occasion when a coat of arms was granted as a recognition of service in these days if a man wants a coat of arms he gets someone who understands heraldry to draw him one or to find him one or perhaps he ignorantly tries to make one for himself a coat of arms such a grant seems now to mean nothing we think we can confer gentility upon ourselves as indeed for all practical purposes we can but not of the ancient kind the old notion that gentility can be conferred by the sovereign as the fountain of honour is clean forgotten but it was not then forgotten no man could make himself armiger cook's family therefore was rewarded with his shield they were advanced to the first step of nobility the shield is thus described azure between the two polar stars or a sphere on the plain of the meridian showing the pacific ocean his track thereon marked by red lines and for crest on a wreath of the colours is an arm bowed in the uniform of a captain of the royal navy in the hand is the union jack on a staff proper the arm is encircled by a wreath of palm and laurel a very noble shield indeed a pension of two hundred pounds a year was bestowed upon the widow and the government further bestowed upon her half the profits arising from the publication of her husband's journal of the third voyage she also received a share in the profits of the journal of the second voyage but in both cases the interest alone was to be hers for life the children to receive the principal after her death at their death the principal was paid to her mrs cook was thus left fully provided for it only remains to tell the story of the fate which fell upon cook's children as well as upon himself there were six children in all three died in infancy or in tender years three grew up to manhood of these the eldest james was in the navy the second nathaniel also went into the navy the third and youngest hugh was sent to cambridge where he entered at christ's college in the year seventeen ninety three the news of her husband's death reached the unhappy widow in the first week of october seventeen eighty in the same week her second son nathaniel went down on board the thunderer in a hurricane off jamaica the news reached her before the end of the year 
then followed a period of thirteen years during which she saw her eldest son from time to time a gallant and active officer always on service and educated the youngest boy hugh in july seventeen ninety three this son as i have said was entered as a pensioner at christ's and went into residence in october two months later he was attacked by scarlet fever and died on december twenty first in his eighteenth year a portrait of this unfortunate youth in the possession of canon bennett shows a face of very remarkable beauty and delicacy with none of the severity which belonged to that of his father only five weeks later another blow fell upon the hapless woman already bereaved of husband and five out of her six children her eldest son who had been in the autumn of seventeen ninety three promoted to the rank of commander was while with his ship at pool in dorsetshire appointed to the command of the spitfire sloop of war on january twenty fourth seventeen ninety four he received from captain yeo commanding officer of the station his letters and orders to take command without delay he started immediately in an open boat manned by sailors returning from leave to sail from Poole to portsmouth it was in the afternoon his boat was rather crowded there was a strong ebb tide and a fresh wind it was growing dark this was the last scene of james cook the younger for he never reached his ship what happened will never now be known his body with a wound on the head and stripped of all his money and valuables was found on the beach at the back of the isle of wight the boat was also found broken up but no trace of any of the crew was discovered perhaps they were drowned perhaps they murdered the captain made for the island laid his body on the beach broke up the boat and dispersed the body was brought over to portsmouth and taken to cambridge where it was laid in the same grave with the remains of his brother hugh overwhelmed by this final blow the unhappy woman was prostrated with an illness of mind and body which kept her to her house for two years when she recovered she asked her cousin admiral isaac smith who was unmarried to live with her they took a home together at clapham where she continued to live until her death in eighteen thirty five being then ninety-three years of age by her own request she was buried with her two sons in the centre aisle of st andrew's church cambridge she kept her faculties to the end my informant describes her as a handsome and venerable lady her white hair rolled back in ancient fashion always dressed in black satin with an oval face an aquiline nose and a good mouth she wore a ring with her husband's hair in it and she entertained the highest respect for his memory measuring everything by his standard of honour and morality her keenest expression of disapprobation was that mr cook to her he was always mr cook not captain would never have done so like many widows of sailors she could never sleep in high wind for thinking of the men at sea and she kept four days in the year of solemn fasting during which she came not out of her own room they were the days of her bereavements the days when she lost her husband and her three boys she passed those days in prayer and meditation with her husband's bible and for her husband's sake she befriended their nephews and grandnephews and nieces and grandnieces of his whom she never saw they were not suffered to want 
with her pension and her share of the profits of the books and with other things such as the inheritance of her sailor son's fortune sworn under five thousand pounds mrs cook became a wealthy woman her house was good and filled with old furniture of the style called louis quinze it was also crowded and crammed in every room with relics curiosities drawings maps and collections brought home from the voyages it would seem that the government gave back the drawings and charts after they had been published on thursdays she always entertained her friends to dinner which was served at three o'clock after the death of her cousin the admiral she was taken care of by a faithful old servant whom she remembered in her will and by younger members of her own family footnote for these personal recollections of mrs cook and also for various documents connected with her husband's domestic life i am indebted to canon bennett of maddington vicarage devises as he is probably the only survivor of her personal friends this information could not have been procured from any one else without it the history of cook's private life would have been indeed shadowy End footnote. the greater part of the relics preserved were sent to the colonial government museum sydney after the colonial exhibition but the log of the first voyage and the gold medal conferred on the captain by the royal society are in the british museum the following genealogy shows the numbers and the end of cook's family all as has been seen were cut off in youth or infancy and no descendant now survives of england's greatest navigator james cook married elizabeth bates born seventeen forty two died eighteen thirty five james born seventeen sixty three died seventeen ninety four nathaniel born seventeen sixty four died seventeen eighty hugh born seventeen seventy six died seventeen ninety three elizabeth born seventeen sixty six died seventeen seventy one joseph born and died seventeen sixty eight george born and died seventeen seventy two the end end of section twenty five recording by pamela nagami in encino california september two thousand eighteen end of captain cook by Walter Besant.